0: Welcome back to the Project Stanley podcast presented by NHL Prospect Center. I'm your host, Aaron Riccio. I'm the CEO and co-founder of the business. And for those of you who may not be familiar, Project Stanley is a CBA-compliant salary cap management software that's built specifically for front office personnel in the National Hockey League. This podcast is presented by NHL Prospect Center. NHL Prospect Center is the league's best resource Devoted towards covering hockey's future, they have clips, highlights, movement of all the top prospects in the game today, and they're powered by InStat, so you know the data behind it is pretty darn good. They also have thirty-five thousand followers on Instagram, so they've gained a ton of traction already. Would highly recommend anybody to check this out and give it a follow. So today we sat down with Trevor Georgie, and Trevor is currently the president and general manager of the Saint John Sea Dogs. Of the quebec major junior hockey league and when he was first introduced as a manager in january 2016 he was actually the youngest in the entire chl at the time and in his rookie year he made a couple you know key acquisitions at the trade deadline and took his team to the Mem cup so he provides a really cool story of that and a really unique perspective in general
1: yeah, and Trevor really encourages an open-minded and collaborative approach when it comes to all decisions via the hockey and business operations departments. So definitely something that I think we could see moving forward from other clubs as well.
0: No, awesome point. Um, so let's just go ahead and let's just jump into it. Trevor Georgie, president and general manager of the Saint John Sea Dogs, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. All right, and we're live. All right, Trevor, thank you again for taking the time here. This is great. really excited to to have the conversation here. Thanks, Aaron. I look forward to it. It should be fun. All right, cool. So would you mind just kind of starting off with your background? Yeah, so um, I'm
2: from Toronto, Ontario, and uh, grew up a major, huge hockey fan. Wasn't a very good hockey player growing up, but always fascinated with it. Um, my grandmother who lived with us since a young age she's deaf and uh, she passed away a few years back but we lived together for close to 20 years and we'd watch uh, hockey together so one thing we kind of bond over growing up um, I remember vividly trade deadline days my mom calling in sick from my friends and I so we'd stay home and we'd watch trade deadline on all the different TVs and we'd put on suits and stuff like that our parents, our dad's ties and dress shirts and and, uh, play, there used to be a board game called the GM board game. And we were just fascinated with it all. So I remember an obsession with hockey as long as, as long as I can remember. And, um, and, but I actually went to school, uh, did business at the university of Toronto. Uh, I ended up doing an MBA, um, I ended up working in banking when I started off, uh, pay my way through school. I was, uh, working as a financial manager at a major bank here in Canada and, um, it's a good way of making a living it's a way my my dad made a living and a lot of my family have made living in finance it just wasn't the way that I wanted to make a living and um I just had that bug that I want to follow my passion and and pursue a career in not just sports but hockey
0: no that's awesome I I actually come from a banking background too I gave up on it after about three years I was done
2: (laughs) Um, yeah it's not for everyone. It's a great, great way of making a living, but uh, when you have the bug. When you have the bug and it's something else, it's it's hard
0: to turn that off. Oh, for sure. And and I think, at least from my experience, you 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 build a lot of um, you know really good skill sets. You know, and, and I I think I enjoyed that the most. Um, but I, I guess you know, speaking of that, so you had a bit of a finance and a marketing background, so. It, were you always planning to go into hockey or, you know, at one point, you know, did you say, you know what, this passion is leading me in into hockey?
2: Yeah, hockey would have been ideal, um, but I love sports and I love entertainment. Um, I remember watching Brian Burke get introduced as the GM of the Maple Leafs and the way only Brian Burke can do it, like major proclamations and comparing, I think, Maple Leaf sports at the time to the Vatican. He was the Pope and these, these statements were are just – Oh, such hyperbole, it was great, and uh, I was actually at the my, at my current job, my not my current job, my job at the time, in the bank at the time, and so watching some of it on uh, on uh, on the stream and being like that, like that's what I want to do. Um, you know, I love this, I really enjoy this, but that's that's not what I'm. I'm that's not my calling, and I want to follow it. So, um, yeah, it's tough to uh, make a change like that. I think it's easier to do it earlier in your career because sports early on doesn't pay well like you have to roll up your sleeves and just shut up and work hard it's pretty pretty simple um and uh, whatever was asked of me whether it be uh, I remember my first uh kind of major internship with the Florida Gators I thought I'd just finished my MBA over my last semester we're doing a marketing internship with the Florida Gators moving to the U.S. big big program and remember my first job was rolling t-shirts and being like in my head I'm thinking like wow, I left a banking career and I left, I did an MBA, spent all that money to come here and roll t-shirts. I, but that lasted about half a second. And uh, I just put my nose down and rolled the best I could and, and and worked hard. And I think that's a simple way of looking at life. But if you work hard at things and, and do it with humility, I think it gets you pretty far.
1: I'd love to also hear about your, your time with Wasserman um, when you joined their media group there. Um, and just to hear sort of about some of the skill sets that you developed while there and how that sort of translated to your role now at St. John.
2: For sure. I had great mentors all the way that got me to Wasserman. Washerman. So I learned a lot from Richard Petty, who was CEO of Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment uh, before he retired. Uh, and then I worked at uh, a company, a group of companies that owned shopping plazas and shopping centers, one of the biggest ones in, in Canada. And I learned uh, the partner side of it, you know, being. Uh, having the cash instead of the brand, right? So now I was brokering partnerships from that side as opposed to looking at it from a brand lens. And then Wasserman was the in-between, right? Like there's three sides of the business. You either have the brand, you have the cash, or you have the ideas and the connections. And so I'd done brand, I'd done cash. And now I was trying this uh, other uh, space and getting experience there uh, that brought everything together. And that was a really fascinating time. Our biggest client at that time in canada was rbc with team rbc that graham Dillette and jason day and um, the canadian open the rbc heritage and uh, i got to work with a, a tremendous team there our, our account was the biggest one in, in canada uh, be a part of that it was it was great i, you know, I learned a lot about um, um i just learned a lot about the, the business you know when you're the one with when you don't have the money and you don't have the brand you have to bring something else to the table so um just uh you know understanding how to create value for an organization that um just how to create value and how to and how to, how to um, bring those
0: two things together harmoniously and so how did uh how did you go from um being with washman and now making that transition what was that story like yeah it was really interesting so when i worked
2: for um the uh, shopping center uh, company here. I was actually visiting Saint John, and I came to Sea Dogs game to um, to decide if we want to do some sponsorship work with them. And did the tour, and I met. Uh, I you know I was invited by their head of sponsorship at that time to the office. So East Coast uh, hospitality, super friendly. So you want to come for a beer in the office? Sure. So I'm sitting up in the office uh, in a specific office um, with this gentleman. Um, who now I know as my boss who's the owner of the team and the office is now my office. But at that time, um, I was just meeting Scott for the first time and, uh, we got chatting and really hit it off like just a salt of the earth. human being Scott McCain's one of the sort of the nicest people you'd ever meet and, uh, like so accomplished and, um, has, you know, just has his hands in so many different things, but always makes time for you just a really s- s- incredible man. And, um, uh, we just kept in touch, and when I was at Wasserman, you know, we I, I always keep in touch. I always enjoyed bantering and discussing sports with them. And one day, he said, "Hey, let's let's do a trip to uh, the East Coast. I want you to come give me come give me your thoughts on my hockey team." And uh, a few months later, I was was offered the role for uh, to for president of his hockey team here. So um, yeah, really really honored to do that. And then we ended up uh, after a few months that season had to make some changes on the hockey operations staff and. Ended up uh, inheriting the role as GM as well. So I was a rookie president, and then I was appointed—you know—the rookie GM uh, the same year. And uh, you know, I had a great team around me, wonderful, wonderful people. And like Scott gives you so much confidence. Um, you know, you know, he just says, "You're smart. You'll figure it out." And that year, first year as president and GM, we won the President Cup. We uh, lost in the Memorial Cup, but uh, won the President Cup, and we also won Marketing Team of the Year. So it was one the highest achievements in our league on the hockey side and one of the highest achievements in our league on the business side. So it was a, it was a special year.
0: No, that's That's awesome. Thanks for the story there. Um, So as one of the, the youngest GMs, as you, at that time you were the youngest GM in the CHL. So how does that change how you deal with other managers across the league? And I guess I'd love to also hear this from, you know, a major junior perspective, how much are you actually communicating with other managers in the queue?
2: Yeah, I think it takes, the queue is unique because it's a bilingual league, right? Like you have have your Francophone teams, your English teams. I actually speak French. French is the first language I learned in in school. I went to solid French school all my life. So that really helped me. It's funny when you go through high school and you're like, I'm never going to use this. And then you get to the league and we use it every day often, you know, very often. So it's really awesome to be able to, to, to use something uh, that you spent your life learning. Um, it was tough, I mean, at first you're, you're, you're the new guy on the block. I mean, people try to throw crazy offers at you and uh, and then try to, um, you know, just try to better their teams at your expense. I mean, that, that's normal. There's uh, some guys around the league that I built some really, really good relationships with. Uh, I think I have good working relationships with everyone. Um, Anglophone, Francophone, um, younger, older, And I think we've we have good rapport. It's competitive though. I think that there's there's definitely some teams that we just have inherent competition with where you know they're not, they're doing me tough to be natural trade partners. Um, but there's some teams like Ramouski with Serge beausoleil there, who's their GM. He's been around the league for a long time. And we seem to just every trade period there's going to be one or two Ramouski-St. John trades. It just Funny how that works. You just have that trust uh, built up. Uh, Val d'or their GM Pascal, though he's uh, got a stack team this year with peltier and Legere and Poulin and Spence. They've got a really good team. And Pascal, when I joined, um, was I think he was like a, a co GM or him. He had him and one other person were co GMs on the team. He was his first year as well, and to see where his teams come, it's 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 awesome. So. Um, It's yeah, it's a really unique experience. Um, I think that we approach things in a very different way than most teams. Like um, I'm I'm big on relationships. I'm big on like vision and making everyone a part of it. You know, it's pretty common for for myself and my hockey ops staff and my assistant GM Anthony Stella to to, um, to talk to our players about trades, ask them specifics about other players, get their input. How do you think they'd fit? it's common for our players to help us recruit other players to make phone calls. And we really make them part of the process. Like this team is not going to be another championship team here is not going to be built by me or by myself and my hockey staff. It's going to be built by everybody. And so we really involve our players uh, maybe like Miami heat esque when you have uh, LeBron uh, or Dwayne Wade pitching guys um, on, uh, on coming to a team. We really, we have a lot of, uh, uh people that have a lot of skin in the game here and our players are are very much a part of our uh, drafting and uh, trade process.
1: Yeah. And so that leads pretty perfectly into uh, another thing I wanted to speak about was, which is about that collaborative effort, um, that approach you take when it comes to both the business operations and the hockey operations. So I'd love to hear about how that progressive mindset has really helped the organization grow.
2: That's a great question. I, I think it's a great role. I think if you have the right candidate um, to be able to do the business and the hockey side, I think it's a, a really great role to have. Um, and the reason, the reason being, um, you know, the hockey spy side historically has always been viewed as, okay, they just spend all our money. And then the business side, okay, you have to make, you have to now make, make, make that money to pay off the hockey side. Now, when we're making hockey decisions, we're starting to think, okay, well, I know that okay. If we do this contract for this player, well, we're gonna have to make up that money over here. The same person is responsible for it, so I think it keeps keeps us accountable for for how we spend the money because it's not now. It's not okay. Now it's a business ops problem. It's my it's my problem, right? So or my team's problem. Um, I also think it helps keep everyone really involved and um, and really engaged. Like you're not in sports to become rich. You're not in sports to uh, you know. can become rich doing it but that's not the primary reason so much of it is being a part of something special like just being a part of that journey so when our you know by doing the hockey on the business side our business ops staff um has helped us put together like pitch videos for players uh decks for training camp when you know the trade period's going on it's in the office upstairs um we're we're buried in my office upstairs the president's office and it's just the business ops staff all, all all there and they know when okay hey can you go can you go um you know scan this form or you try i try to really include everyone in the process i think that's important so uh i think if you can have a um someone that could do both roles i think the marriage of it is awesome and i think there's a lot of things you can apply from the business side to uh to help um enhance your experience on, on the hockey side
1: and so when you are distributing that that you know the difference between you know there's the business and the hockey. How are you sort of splitting that up on a day-to-day basis?
2: Yeah, I, I always say there's like two shifts in a day. So I, you know, I'm up early in the morning, uh, early re- reasonable, not not abnormal. I'm not am not a five thirty a.m. or six a.m. guy. That that's not me. Um, but I'm up at a reasonable time in the morning, um, and then usually like come home or now in the pandemic, stay home, uh, have dinner uh, with my fiance, and then work till i go to bed so there's uh two shifts to my day and it doesn't necessarily mean that the morning is going to be hockey and the evening's gonna be business but it's it's whatever is uh is important at that time but i'll give you an ex- another example like we have uh, our naming rights partner for our building is td bank and uh you know they're a global uh, institution and to have them here in st john it's fantastic It's something worked years on uh, years on to be able to have you know we had a sponsorship call with them last week and they want to do some different creative ways to integrate um, their brand into our return to play. So because of the nods on the hockey side, we're able to have that sponsorship call in a half hour. And I know these players would be the ones they should probably get. Um, this one can do this, this trick on the shootout. So we're gonna wanna get video of that. I know that we're practicing you know, this day and that we usually have a half hour after practice. So we can probably get that shot in there. So there's just so many synergies. Um, and I think if you have a really good team around you, which we do have, that um, they, they're, not, uh, they're not fans that they're going to go and share information and leak stuff. I think if you have a team you really trust, it can work really, really nice.
1: And so to sort of look back to your first season as, uh, as president and general manager, that first full year, you know, your team, you won the President's Cup. Um, and so I'd love to just hear more about what that season was like and, you know, something memorable from that run.
2: Oh, there's a lot memorable for sure. Um, yeah, that, that was so the Memorial cup that year was in Windsor, Ontario. And I did my MBA at that, at at Odette school of business in Windsor. I love that city. My brother lives there. Um, so, uh, for the U17s that year is in Sault Ste. Marie. My now assistant GM, at that time he was just a scout, but my now assistant GM ended up renting a car. He could only get a Beetle at the time. And so here we go uh, from Sault Ste. Marie to Plymouth in a a rented Beetle. And um, so we go to Plymouth then after the u seventeenth in the the Sioux to Plymouth for the uh, Five Nations and the Spitz were playing in Windsor. And I said, said, you know what, let's go go look at our competition for the Mem Cup. This is like, I think this is October november said let's go look at our competition for the memorial cup you know we hadn't won anything yet so we don't know if we're going to go but I'm saying, let's pause it thinking let's go take a look and so i message one of the owners because i actually did a corporate project for them when i was in school there and so two guys from the sea dogs roll up to windsor in a beetle and then uh the owner has us in his box so we actually ended up watching the spits play from the owner's box but being from a different team and And we actually, one thing from the hockey side, we said right away, they had a big team with Stanley and Brown, these big guys. And he said, we're going to need to go get a real big body to put some, apply some pressure to this team to go up and down the wing. And eventually at Christmas that year, we had a Julian Gauthier, who um, is with the Rangers now. Um, And the other thing is I shook uh, Mr. Savage's hand on the way out. And I said, well, I'll see you at the Memorial Cup. And he kind of laughed and he said, oh, well... um, Something to the effect of, that's great ambition, kid. You know, like good good seeing you, Trevor. And, and then I, I vividly remember when our plane touched down in Windsor for the World Cup. We're actually there thinking back, getting off the plane, like how crazy is that? Like five years ago, I was doing corporate projects or whatever it was for, for these guys in Windsor. Then we're here in Windsor telling them we'll see at the Mem Cup and we actually are here, right? So uh, I'm a real positive person, believe in the, the power of, of positive thinking, but I don't think I could even have forecasted uh, all that coming together the way it did.
0: No, that's awesome. I know, I know, uh, you know Conor McGregor is a big preacher of that as well. Um, not to divert a little bit, but he's a big preacher like the law of attraction and positive thinking, um, so it's something that we've actually talked about at at Peace Stanley amongst our team as well. So that that's an awesome share. Um, so you, you mentioned Julian Gauthier. So and I'm, you know this is you have tons of players who have, have been playing in the NHL now. But when you see them, you know, actually shoot up and, and you know get in their first NHL game or succeed at the NHL level. I mean, how how much pride is there on, on your end and you know excitement for these for these you know, kids who now all of a sudden, you know, are, are making the big blocks in the NHL.
2: Oh, a, a ton. I mean, you're just so, you're so proud of them. Uh, we had Thomas Shabbat here and he had quite the world juniors uh, that year. Um, we were actually in Montreal uh, for that game where they lost in, uh, I think they lost in overtime or shootout to uh, to the U.S. And, uh, and Thomas was a hell of a player. I think he was playing like 40 minutes a night. Uh, back then for for Team Canada, um, and he was great for us. He was CHL Defenseman of the Year. But there was still a lot of criticism, I thought, around Thomas. He he still got criticized quite a bit in junior hockey circles of his defensive game and and, and different things. I just always thought that was unfair. Uh, you know, Thomas was a really special defenseman, a tremendous skater. Uh, I just always felt that was, was unfair uh, to Thomas. And um, he very quickly has established himself as a – NHL star. And for me, I feel it's quite um, and I don't know if he feels that way because he's a, just a really good kid and very positive, but I feel like that was some vindication. I think just it felt good seeing him um, probably prove some people wrong that would have maybe doubted doubted him. Um, the other one is I think of a guy like Matthew Highmore who uh, went undrafted. He was 20 years old with us. He had injuries. and I think his 18 year old or 17 old season he had a bad injury. Um, just a wonderful human being, like wonderful, wonderful human being. Um, and Matthew ends up going undrafted, signed with Chicago, and now playing in the NHL. And that, that's a guy that I just look at his journey and say, like, he could have quit, he could have packed it up and packed it in, and uh, he didn't. And, uh, you know, he's, he's really involved. We do alumni weekends here, and we do our development camp with all our young prospects the same weekend. And so our hall of fame weekend, we induct. the so first year, we inducted Jonathan Huberdeau, and it's great. Like you have all your prospects here and you'll also have Jonathan Huberdeau and Thomas Shabbat, Matthew Highmore, Matthew Joseph, and, you know, just, uh, he is preceded me, but I look at the organization and the class of a guy like Scott as an owner, um, you know, a guy like Charlie Coyle to be able to include him in recruiting players for us, like, I, this was years before I ever joined the team, but he just felt that uh, connection to the organization. So uh, to answer your question, there's a bunch of those guys. You know, Matthew Joseph last year, the one the Stanley Cup with, uh, with the lightning. Um, it's awesome. Like it's just, it's, it's wonderful. We're so, so proud to see, uh, to see how far they've come. And uh, the whole city is like, you can't go into a restaurant. You can't line up at Tim Hortons here without someone coming to you and talking to you about uh what one of our alumni uh did the night before that i guarantee you
0: that's awesome i mean that that's you know that's the type of like camaraderie you only really i think you can only get in in canada and and that's nothing against a, any u.s team um, it's just the the passion and love that that you guys have for the sport up there is incredible i loved it um, but so so you mentioned someone like jonathan Huberto um, you know, now he's he's being inducted to your Hall of Fame. I mean, do you think that um, do you think that a lot of these guys in the NHL like have that much of an impact in the recruiting process? I mean, I'd imagine it's tremendous.
2: For for sure, no, no, no for sure. Um, I think it's a reflection. When guys want to come back, and alumni want to come back and want to be a part of that. I think it's impressive for a young player to look and go, yeah, okay, Jonathan Huber just texted me. About the St. John Sea Dogs, or you know, when we drafted uh, Jeremy Poirier and William Villeneuve and Charlie DeRush and these guys, uh, when we drafted our O2 group, Thomas Shabbat was on stage with us for all that. So, you know, if Thomas Shabbat there ushering in the next wave of Sea Dogs defense, like that's that's really special. Um, and other guys, Charlie Coyle and Matthew Joseph, Matthew Hyman, the, the list goes on of guys that, that are, are willing to do that. So that's always nice, but I think the real message in that is that we your, we treat your, we will treat your son like family, and to prove that, here's an NHL alumni that could do a hundred other things in their little bit of free time, who is willing to go to bat for our organization. So I think it's less about them being the star, more about a testament to how a testament to the family, but how, how we'll treat their, uh, uh, their son because they leave home at, you know, 16 years old. Um, but so for me, for me, it goes beyond just the hockey. Wow. It's the wow. You know, Charlie Coyle took the time out of his day to, to advocate for the St. John Sea Dogs. I think that that sends a bigger message uh, to the families.
1: Yeah. And I could also imagine that, you know, when a guy like Spotter, or any player when, when they get drafted to an NHL club and then they, they go to the following NHL training camp and still come back to St. John's for the following season, that's got to have a tremendous impact on the group as well to see that guy, you know, he's got some NHL experience, whether even if it's just a training camp, it's got to be a thrill for those guys to ask him questions and things like that.
2: Totally. Um, I mean, we have photos from our first uh, Hall of Fame weekend in Dev Camp and we had all our O2 group with uh, our different alumni all there and they came and they were curious like those guys were in, they want to come watch you know the scrimmages because they, they're like oh let's see who the next guys coming up are I think the dads are probably more excited than the kids sometimes because um you know they follow and it's interesting today like the young players uh less and less I find probably actually watch watch the full hockey games right they're like it's all short uh short spurts of content. It's it's, it's Instagram or it's TikTok or it's, it's highlights. Um so I think that sometimes the parents are are, are even more more excited than, than than the kids.
0: Yeah, I know my dad would be fired up. <laughs> yeah, totally right. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. Well well Trevor, um this has been awesome. Uh you know, thank you again for taking the time here. Um really do appreciate it. Um
2: yeah. No problem. Thanks so much guys. I'd be happy to do it anytime.
0: Okay. Yeah, thanks